This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What does your audience need to walk out the door with the mindset you want them to have? Okay, let's start filling in the blanks, filling in the emotional connections, the flow of that overall event, as opposed to, you know, here's the 16 PowerPoint slides that I want to do. Yes, it absolutely has to be about the connection and engagement with your audience, that emotional connection to your content. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it is all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. Your host is Peter Margaritas, the man whose name is pronounced like a cocktail, but spelled like an inflammation. Peter is the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of his business, The Accidental Accountant. Peter's goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 89. And today my guest is John Petz, who's a motivational speaker, author, MC, and philanthropist who helps his clients increase their performance by laughing louder, performing better, and achieving more. Ever meet one of those people who are born to be on the stage? Well, that's John. And that's why he left the corner office, company car, country club membership, and a highly successful career as a corporate vice president to fulfill his purpose and passion by challenging others to laugh louder, perform better, and achieve more. In our interview, we discuss how his speaking career evolved from a corporate executive to a business magician, opening keynoter, and MC. Now, John engages and energizes his audience. He uses his amazing art of performance, inspiring stories, and his unique, it's showtime performance philosophy to bring home the belief and genuine desire to create more significant impact in what we do and with the people we do it for. According to John, it's at this point we begin to demonstrate and achieve the sense of significance in making a difference. John walks the walk in creating significance. Moved by a moment in his own life, John and his wife, Stacy created Miracles and Magic Program, a Las Vegas-style Grand Illusion comedy and magic show each year featuring the world's best magical and variety entertainers. The program has a simple goal, to provide children with a life-threatening illness and their families a day away from the thoughts of hospital beds, treatments and shots, and a chance to feel like a normal kid again, experiencing the comedy and wonderment of magic and laughter. You can learn more about John by going to his website, www.johnpetz.com. A professional speaker's most significant challenge is following up with their audiences to continue to provide value-added tools and techniques. This podcast is one way that I use to deliver those tools and techniques. The other way is through my blog and videos, which I post on my social media platforms, which are Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. 
Please feel free and connect with me on one or all of these social media platforms. And you can subscribe to my monthly newsletter by going to my website and clicking on the contact drop-down button on the menu bar of my homepage. Now, let's get to the interview with John Petz. John, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on my podcast today. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome, Peter, man. Good to be with you and having some fun today. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have some laughs in, in this interview. Could you give my, the audience, I'd like to start off by just having my guest give their background, tell the, the audience a little bit about themselves. Instead of me reading a bio in the intro, just it sounds better coming from you than myself. You like the real, the extended background of like how we got, what the heck we're doing now? Uh, how, when did you, st- I'm not all the way back into high school and stuff, but in your professional career, because according to your website, you are one of these corner office leaders in a major corporation. Yeah, that was no fun though. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard anybody say that is a lot of fun. And then how did you get into the speaking business? Well, I, I, I Unfortunately, I have to go back to high school to tell you that. Actually, I'm even go before. I'm going to probably go to maybe second grade. <laughs> uh, but but I, I say that because I, I got a magic kit when I was when I was seven years old, and that you know every every kid, not every kid, but you know you you get a magic kit, you have some fun with it, you put it away, you lose the piece parts. You know, and I would pick it back up, and I'd pick it back up now. Again. But in high school, I really started doing little shows, and I was doing you know kid birthday parties and nothing serious. But I mean, I got into it and had a lot of fun with that. And uh, it kind of molded me from a little bit uh, from a performance factor and just enjoying the reaction you would get when someone would look at you and like, do it again. Yeah. You know, and as a, I was a very shy kid. And for a shy kid to go through that and experience that, it was a very good confidence builder, everything, you know, good for, for any kid. I was saying, to try to, you know, perform and do a trick and be able to talk to other kids. So that actually is maybe some of the reason how I ended up where I'm at. You know, I didn't do too much in college. Uh, I was a communication technology. I went into the sales and marketing profession in the technology world with MCI for a while. A couple of startups. One startup that did really well for a while in the dot-com area, then tanked. And then uh, needed, a, needed a job and ended up in the insurance world, but the technology side of insurance world. And it was, it was the golden handcuff, great job, which it was. It was the corner office, country mm-hmm. club. Company Mercedes. I had 250 sales reps that I managed, but you know, I didn't. I didn't have my heart in the game. And I, you know, I talk a lot about purpose and passion. And while it was a great employment opportunity, I uh, I wasn't engaged and wasn't really into it personally. During that one time when I was at that, I I, I always picked on their meetings. So I came from this fast paced dot com, get it done, get in, get out to a family run insurance company that was like, you know, show up 10 minutes late, you know, the stand. It was just, there's off. So I did effective meeting workshops form, put together a little booklet called Boring Meeting Sucks, started doing effective meeting training on the signing, which is not really what I do so much now, but that's, that's kind of what launched it. And after three years at the company, I kind of had to make a decision like, what do, what do I want to do? And so I kind of combined a lot of the sales training and sales inspiration, kind of combined it with some entertainment techniques and magical techniques and uh, left that 13 and a half years ago and been around the world several times since. So very, very fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. I'm very grateful. So you, you started with this boring meeting suck, but I, you yeah. could get rid of the, 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 the boring to say meetings suck. Because <laughs> 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 there's been a very few that I've ever been a part of. 
Actually, once we had a meeting to learn how to conduct a meeting, which seemed redundant to me at the time. Sure. But uh, how do you have, just take me back. What was what was your message about how do you how do you get rid of boring meetings? How do you spice up that meeting? How do you make it not boring? That's a big question with a short amount of time and not having much variables that we can talk about. How I mean, meetings are about engagement and. You know, people come disengaged because of past habits. They come disengaged because I've come to Peter's meeting before and I know what I'm going to do when I get there. I'm going to get my email done in the back row. Right. Uh, they don't come ready to participate. They don't come with a purpose. They become because they're over entitled, over invited and don't have a real role or, you know, they're not a stakeholder in that. And, you know, the more people in a meeting, the exponentially more difficult it is to get anything done. So there's so many reasons why. Of course, lack of preparation, lack of planning are all common things. But uh, I think a lot of it always will come back to our engagement and our purpose and our really results that we want to walk out that door with aren't finally defined and, uh, and shared with other people. So I, I, as, you were, as you were describing that, I, I took it back even into our world as a speaker. The, the, the person who's, there's always a leader in a meeting. And they put together agenda and they've attended a lot of boring meetings. So they're looking at from their perspective, how they want the meeting to run versus what does my audience need? What's that need for that audience? Because as a, as a, a, a speaker, I, and I think you would agree with me, I'm always thinking about that audience. What, so if they've been in a lot of boring conferences, they've been in a lot of boring breakout sessions. So I strive very hard to do the exact opposite for them because I've sat there. So would that would be a piece? Would that be a piece of advice that you would give somebody who leads meetings and quit thinking about themselves and think about your audience and what you want them to walk away with and how do you get it across? Well, I think in any take any meeting, any conference, any anything of that nature, it's you know it's the mm -hmm. old you know start with the end in mind. What do you want them to walk out the door with? If it's a sales conference, they're coming in the door with one mindset. What does your audience need to walk out the door with the mindset you want them to have? Okay, let's start filling in the blanks, filling in the emotional connections, the flow of that overall event, as opposed to, you know, here's the 16 PowerPoint slides that I want to do. Yes, it absolutely has to be about the connection and engagement with your audience, that emotional connection to your content. Bingo, you said the word emotion. And I think that word is, is, is taken negatively in the corporate workspace. Negatively, because we can't show our emotions in the workspace, but in reality, and it's been, you know, it's proven by our brain scientists that I think we all hear so much about today is, you know, what we remember and how we retain the top three things. It's, you know, instinct. We're not going to change that, but anything that we can tie to an emotion, to a story, to something that happened, and anything that we can tie to novelty and intrigue. So we're in truly curious about that. We remember and we retain and we connect to that, that content and, and, more ways than we would at anyone. So, and, and you use that same technique in your presentations that you do currently. And 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 I, I will I, I, on your website. Yeah, you know, I, I watched the video, and, and I really should have started off the podcast by going showtime <laughs> because you use that. <laughs> you, you use that, but it, it it's it is about the show. It is about the entertainment aspect of it, and. Uh, you've got some, you've got a great video on your site, and, and, and I'll have in the show notes his website j o n p e t z dot com. Uh, go take a look at it. It's 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 impressive video and standing ovations and laughter and and just looks like you have a lot of fun, but you're but you're giving him a message. 
Well, you've got to. I mean, we got to learn. There's got to be professional development part of that. But if we can be, you know, it, it's the perfect trifecta of what I build for the clients. It is a combination of education, inspiration, and entertainment. We want to be able to learn, but we want to also be able to enjoy that time together. And you've been there. You know, when you walk out or you come into that room or even a you know, keynote-style presentation and up flashes the PowerPoint screen. It's, it's welcome, company XYZ, and here's my name and my... Con- and man, you go into PowerPoint prison mode. It's already like, oh, I've seen this before. I know I've never seen that person before, but I've, but I've seen this presentation before. And it's, in my opinion, it's an immediate disconnect. So yeah, it's, it's, there's definitely an entertainment value to creating that unique perspective of a presentation. Right. And, and PowerPoint's there as an aid, but it's not there as a crutch because really they're here to, they're to hear you, not watch the slides, bunch of slides mm-hmm. with a bunch of facts and data. So it, it sounds like, and going through your website and, and knowing you, it sounds like that you were born to be on a stage. You wouldn't have thought that for the first 15 years of my life, probably, maybe more, 16, but... You, you, were, you were that shy. I was a shy kid. Yeah, I really was. That's interesting because I was a shy kid as well. And, and I see my son as he's, he's now 17. I see myself and him a lot, that, that shyness. And, and I still have some of that shyness about, but I, I've learned to get through it. But thinking about that and thinking about what you do, and, and, and I'm sure you got hundreds of stories of, of things that have gone, gone wrong. And I'd like to explore a few of them. But if someone came up to you and said, I really want to get into this business, but I'm, I have this fear of public speaking. What advice would you give them? <laughs> well, I'd want to know why they want to get into the, if they have that fear and they want to get into the business. I mean, there's certainly some, some why questions that would follow. But if when I've coached people, and I guess here's, here's something that everyone should try. If you're trying to work with someone else or do this yourself, you can get someone up there and they'll do a, ask them to do their presentation. And it's almost like you can see the little flip to switch where they're, they're, they're self. And then they go into, you know, presenter mode. Yeah. And they go into that mode. I'm like, all right, just do five minutes and then stop. And then I'll go back and I'll ask that person, you know what? We talked about them as a kid or something. I'm like, oh, you got a magic kit when you were set. You know, what was one of those favorite tricks you used to do? Tell me about one of those tricks and just get them to talk about a story of something they did with it. Something they've told 50 times before, favorite. And you start to see more of their authentic self come out. Yeah. And hopefully that's better than presenter mode. If it's worse, then, you know, we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> but we, we'd, I'd say I'd want to help that person get to that more natural, authentic self. How you do that's going to depend on the person. And some of it's practice, some of it's confidence, some of it's knowing in your material, but getting more to a relaxed state as opposed to an anxious state. And anxious is good. It's anxious energy. It's, it's, it's adrenaline, but you still want to have that relaxed, confident anxious, adrenaline, excited state, if that makes any sense. Oh, that makes complete sense uh, because, it's like, hey, hi, how you doing? Hey, hi, welcome to my podcast. I got a voice for radio and a face to go with it too. Yeah. Uh, versus, you know, that, that <laughs> versus that relaxed. And, and you're right. It does take practice. It does take time. It, take, it takes a lot of uh, time building one's confidence up. To, to not have that fear, to, to have that excitement, to, to be in front of that crowd, to, to, because you are really walking into the unknown when you get up on stage, because almost anything could happen, right? Yeah. Well, especially look at the magician side of things. And it's funny, I still, it has to be the number one question. I bet most of the people in our field is, you'll get audience members you're talking to after that. I say, oh, do you still get nervous when you go on stage? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Every time. And I don't want to not get nervous. 
that's a double negative, right? I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to not get, you know, I think that's a good sign because if I go up there completely just, then I'm either doing something fully memorized, I'm complacent, I'm not pushing the envelope enough. You know, I, I want to be a little, you know, I'm confident, but I'm, but I got nerves. Sure. Yeah. I, I've, I've explained it that I've, over the years, I've trained the butterflies instead of flying in every direction possible to fly in one direction and keep that nervous energy. So, and if, and if I show up and I'm not nervous, I'm going to bomb. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be, I just, I, I'm just dialing it in. There's, there's not going to be um, that authentic self. It's just like, I'm, okay, I'm here. Let's just do this and get this over with and stop. Yeah, you're right. I agree. So, as as a magician, you said uh-huh. what what things have occurred that 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 on on stage that just went awry? You actually actually sawed somebody in half and there's blood everywhere. Uh, well, <laughs> no, not nothing to that. You know, most my, I'm a business magician, so it's all you know it relates to their theme, to their objectives. It's not you know do a trick and then go on and talk about sales. It has to tell a story. But I mean, there's, I mean, making a CEO appear and he gets in this box and he. he he wasn't supposed to wear this suit jacket, big and bulky. And then he's trying to get out of this box, and he can't get out of it. You know, so he appears, and you see part of him. It was just very, very awkward. Uh, I mean, like even and very class, hundred year old routine. You know, you take, you borrow someone's money. You talk about diminishing return. The money vanishes. It ends up inside of a lemon. You know, they pick a lemon out of a bag, any lemon truly, and then you cut open this lemon, and inside of this lemon is their autographed. You know, hundred dollar bill. I did that once. I mean, this is something I've done. A, I mean, literally a thousand times. And I'm on, you know, big jumbotrons and all this. Man, I, I'm cutting up that lemon. I'm looking in there, and the person's right next to me. The volunteers on stage looking in there, and you know what? There was, there was no money, and my face was the same as there. And I was like, son of a gun, you know? Like, however, so learning element of that in. I knew where I was going to go after that. In magic, in any presentation, here's the learning element for you. In magic, we call it an out. If you do a card force, which is what I'm going to have you pick a card, but I know the card you're going to pick. I'm forcing you to pick a card and they don't pick it. You know what? I'm doing another trick. If I go to that lemon, the money wasn't there. Instantly, my mind's like, you know, you're cursing in the back of your brain. Like, this is so cool. It really is so cool. But the message is, haven't we all been there when we had that big anticipation moment? We expected something so cool, but then we're let down by another member on our team. Whoa. You know, they didn't know it messed up. And in my mind, I am so angry. I'm so angry. But you know, you have to go. And I found the money. We got it. I mean, it was, but it was all this anticipation. But okay, so you're in a presentation and your technology doesn't work. The slide doesn't come up. You forget your story. You forget where you're at. What is your out? What is your go-to line joke story that you can recapture your emotions, recapture where you are in your script and your presentation and get yourself back on track? And I think that's such a powerful real-life learning that you you don't want it to happen, but you have to have it ready. Exactly. Because like I said, almost anything, somebody will say something. I, I've shared this a number of times, but I was doing a, a creativity piece for a leadership group in, in Baltimore. It was... Um, one of the things we were discussing, they, they, it was a Fortune 500 company. They brought their emerging leaders from the U.S. and Latin America in. 
And one of the things that we were trying to, to determine is how do we increase profitability within this company? I said, okay, raise revenue, cut costs. Okay, those two are off the table. But I want you to give me some really whacked out ideas. I want you to go crazy. And this one gentleman from Latin America goes, I tell you what we're going to do, my friends. This is how we're going to increase profitability in our company. We're going to kill all of our competition salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, and everybody laughed. You almost got <laughs> nervous. I kind of walked away in a different direction. But I wasn't expecting that. And I'm going, oh my God, if, if I believe, as I do believe that bad ideas are bridges to good ideas, that's a whole piece of an improv. And I just, I just turned and I went, you know what? Why don't we take murder off the table? And instead of killing them, let's go poach them. And it just, it just, yeah, it, it came at versus, oh my God, you can't be killing me. We're not going to kill anybody. That's a stupid idea. Well, I just made a guy feel like a, like an idiot if I would if I would have done that. And, and sometimes you just gotta. Uh, what did, this one gentleman said, I shared that story. Says you just lean into the fear. You just just grab that fear and, and, and trust that at the end something is, you're gonna make you're gonna make uh, lemonade out of lemons. Part of the pond. No. <laughs> so true. So true. So you, you do keynotes and you MC. I done a little bit of MC work and it's not easy. I think it's, I think it's a lot harder than doing a, a presentation. Oh, much. Definitely much. A lot more work. Because it is a lot more work. And, and so how do you sum up preparing to be an MC for an event? How do you prepare for something like that? I want you to ask more questions that you can't answer in less than four hours, let alone very quick. <laughs> How do you prepare for an MC? Oh my gosh. Let me, let me answer, just reiterate your first piece. I, people think an MC is, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to introduce the next speaker. And you know what? That's what some people do. And that's such a massive opportunity lost. Uh, how do you prepare? It, it depends on whether, how involved I am in the creative process, which I like to be. You know, the emotional flow and event is, is part of my expertise. How do we engage people? What are the emotions that they walk in before lunch, after lunch, day two, afternoon of day two? When are those highs and lows and how do we make that fit into what we want to accomplish by the time they walk out the door? So, I mean, some, I'm, you know, I've been their MC for years and we'll do mid-year meetings. We'll, we'll meet immediately after that year and talk about, you know, the themes and what we're going to do next year. So, Years can go into this in terms of planning. Uh, obviously, getting in touch with the other speakers and finding their backgrounds, their introductions, but more so, what points do I want to reinforce? How can I tie their message, what may not seem consistent with a the theme? How can I have them walk off the stage and then me come up and say, you know what I really liked about that, Peter, when you're talking about this element and how we all can use this today when we go back to our offices and we think about, you know, make it relevant. You know, MCs have to create relevancy between everything mentioned on that stage. That's just one piece of it. Uh, yeah. So that the audience connects and walks away with something, not mentioning, you know, all the blocking and logisticals, the audio, the lighting, technical. Uh, I mean, I didn't answer your question. How no, you no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You prepare years in advance and through thousands and thousands of thousands of hours of stage experience. How did you... So how did you... Did you start off as an MC, then then did the, the the presentation, or was it just the opposite? It was the opposite. Okay, and they said somebody said, "Hey, we got a corporate event coming up, John. You, you, would you like to MC it?" And as a true entrepreneur, I, I would believe we went. 
Of course I do. And then try to figure out from there. It was the first one was a fundraiser. It was a charity gala and uh, wanted me to both, you know, entertain. I think they'd ask if I would also make some introductions and I did those aspects, but they also saw how, I don't want to say how poorly it was run, but how, how they, you know, for a charity, you've got to make that call to action, pull in the heartstrings, make the connect. And it just wasn't laid out right. So I suggested it and they brought me back and I kind of, I, I was the producer next year and we totally redid it. And the return on investment for that was incredible in terms of the more dollars they raised, right. the experience at the event. From with that, some other charities called. Then from those you know, people in the audience were some corporate attendees. They wanted me to do some of their events. And it just literally built upon itself as an accident. Yeah. But hearing your voice, it sounds like you have a blast doing it. It is, it is a tremendous amount of work and it's exhausting work. But it, but it is fun. And mm-hmm. when I say exhausting, it's like, it doesn't matter who's on stage. You are vividly engaged into everything they're saying because you're taking notes. You got to recap it. But I mean, you, you meet a lot of cool people, a lot of bands, a lot of celebrities. And when I say meet, you shake their hand backstage and you have backstage. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. And you don't take a photo because it's cheesy. But, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds like something that, I did this year. Um, I was the closing keynote at, for White Castle's general manager's meeting. Mm-hmm. And I talked to them. I said, well, may I attend the opening session, all the general session speakers and listening, whatever, and then I'll tie it all together into my closing keynote. And they said, yeah, that's great. And I, I had more fun doing that, but I worked my butt off. Because you're right, you're sitting there taking notes, you're, you're, you're listening, you're pulling, and then I've got my presentation and now that I've got to modify and make sure I bring this stuff in from what the opening keynote said, mm-hmm. which was Marilyn Sherman, and they had their slider talks. And, had, and it, it was... I, I was Making me hungry. I want, <laughs> I want some White Castle, man. Yeah. If some people don't know what White Castle is, you've got to learn what White Castle is. Yes, you have to learn what White Castle is. And, and outside of the sliders, it's a wonderful company, but I, I had more fun doing that. But I worked so hard. I, 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 it sounds like it was almost to some degree like you're describing as an MC. <laughs> being that closing keynote, taking those bits and pieces, being the MC, taking it and making it all work to reinforce the previous, man, I want to do some MC work now. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody listening to this need to hire an MC, please give me a call. You can find me on my website. But I think that would be a lot of fun because the knowledge that you're getting from the other speakers, the event itself, being able to entertain through a variety of different ways of humor, um, and having them walk out. And for a fundraiser, having having them walk out with their coffers filled and the attendees' wallets thinner, it's a great thing sense. I think you, and <laughs> you do, you want every dollar out of their pocket in a nice way, but, and don't, don't minimize. I mean, I would not say, Hey, if you're a speaker, you can be an MC tomorrow. There is a, there's a much more significant learning curve than most would think right. from an MC perspective. It is, it is, it is a lot of work. It takes a lot of expertise and much more than just being able to get up and tell a joke and then introduce someone else or you know, do an auction. I mean, there's pre and post event. Your job doesn't start and stop on stage. You're, you're the face of the event, the hallways, the breakout sessions, the airports, the restaurants, the lobbies. You are on 100% of every day 
whether you wanted to be or not. Yeah. Um, I wish I just had this flashback of my very first MC work I did was at uh, Go Bananas Comedy Club in Cincinnati. I know Go Bananas. Uh, I knew it. The, yeah, I think I think it is gone. But uh, I was there to. It was an open mic night. I was there to perform, and I'd been there a lot and then gotten to know me. And they said, "Hey, would you MC?" And I went, "Okay." And they hand me a sheet of paper. Here, here's the here's the presenters, but they didn't tell me what order. So I get up there and I introduce the wrong person at the wrong time, and I, I it was just it just went. And then he gets up on stage and just fillets me apart, and I get back up and I've lost all confidence and. And there was, I was supposed to do two shows that night and I was asked not to do the second show. Yeah, that was that. I learned, a, I, yeah, I learned a lot just from that night that it really shook a lot of my confidence. Uh, but I do reflect back on that a lot going, man, I just, I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to expect. And then I didn't do the homework. I didn't ask the questions. I didn't inquire. And man, did I just fall flat on my face. We've all done it. I even did something recently where, I made a, a well in rehearsal. Rehearsal. There's keyword, right? It's awards ceremony, big final award, and the the, the president of that year for the, the convention was gonna, you know, I think reach under the pot and pull out this thing. Was all boxed up. I'm like, no, let's do the proper. Let's. I'll walk it out to you. So we've got it right here, and then so you can just reach and you don't have to. You look too nice to be scrambling and do. And it was the cue, right? And I go to my cue, and I can't get the box to this award open. I'm trying to, I mean, I'm trying to <laughs> muscle this thing and it's on like a hinge like this. I mean, that was a really nice, this metal hinge and we're just trying to pop and I'm backstage. I mean, it completely backflopped my whole idea. So she eventually turns around and comes walking backstage. I'm here just going, <laughs> and then we couldn't get the box open and she just gave this person the, the box. We learned after the fact how the box opened. So yeah, less, lesson learned. Like it's real life. What's your what's your out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your and, and as you're describing that, it takes me to uh, maybe it's been a couple of years now when Steve Harvey announced the winner of the Miss Universe pageant. Right. It was the right wrong one. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't die from that. I mean, he got flayed in social media, or whatever. But I, I believe they asked him back the next year. I don't recall to do it. I think they did. They asked him to do it again. Uh, and that I mean, kind of circling back. That's that's kind of the unknown that when you're up on stage in front of a group that even I assume how well rehearsed you are, something can happen and and just uh, it will uh, happen. It will happen. And the thing is, after the fact, you didn't die. You 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 you, you didn't catch the place on fire. Um, and and a few times when I've screwed up, I've I've fallen on the sword and just said I I just hey. Kind of human here. I just had a, you know, I just lost my place. Nothing like an ADHD dyslexic CPA to lose their place. So uh, I, I appreciate if you just let me take a look at my notes. And, and, and I think it also being that vulnerability does a lot in gaining the uh, audience's atten uh, uh, attention and, and respect. I saw one person abuse that once. You can choose to keep this in. I, it's not the name is an apartment, but authenticity where. A major name speaker, per se, is up on stage at an event. And in the middle of his, he, he did that. He forgot. You could tell he was just, and he just turns. He's like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm human too. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a really nice moment. And the audience was like, oh, 
like that. Oh, that is so, it's okay. Everything's, oh, you know, you, you go get them, tiger. Yeah. And I'm at, I'm at an event with the same person, let's say six months later. And I kid you not, the same place in that presentation. Oh, you know, um, and it was like, contra- it was, uh, I'm like, you did not. It was like a planned moment of humility. Oh, wow. Maybe, I mean, it was effective, but I was just like, hmm. I, I've had a bad feeling about it personally. So I don't, yeah. I don't know why I even thought of that, but uh, well, yeah, because I've you never. Need be, you need to be authentic. You got to be yeah. you on and off stage, but don't abuse that and with your audience emotions. That's I think that's not being authentic. So. Yeah, I, I I agree. You you you've just created a script, uh, and, and, oh. and yeah, please, I, wow, it was it was faked failure. Yeah. <laughs> Fake failure. I don't, I, don't prefer, I, I don't know what that is. I failed by I can do I can fail on my own. I don't need to fake it. <laughs> I do a good job on my own. So now, I mean, we talked about the born no more, my born meaning sucks. So what what are you what are you speaking about today? What what is your message that you're delivering to your audiences? Nothing's in the keynote. I mean, all of my stuff comes back to performance. Uh, you know, peak performance would be the what people would kind of the category maybe they put that under. But I mean, I talk about performance as individuals, as leaders at all levels of the organization, uh, leaders as customer service, leaders in sales. I mean, it can go any direction. So we talk about performance, we're talking about what we do and what would create the desire for you or anyone listening to actually want to do more than just enough to get by. So when we talk about performance, it gives me a great opportunity to bring in some of the entertainment aspect of why some of the performers who do things like every other one else would do it. But yet these people have exponential success as opposed to someone else maybe doing the exact same thing and isn't reaching that same level of success. So what can we do uniquely different? And we talk about purpose. We talk about passion and rekindling the passion and who we are and what we do and why we do it. But uh, really engaging in, into you to be the best you you can be. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a manager for Fortune 500 company. Um, I'm, I'm frustrated. Uh, with, with corporate America, I may have a little lack of respect for the C-suite. A lot of stuff going, on, a lot of pressures, a lot of, you know, there's no emotion, and it's just, I, and I, uh, I, I, I know that I'm, I'm stale. I can feel it. I'm stale. How do you, how do you get out of that mode? Because I know a lot of people like that, that are at that point, and it's either they find another job, but they ultimately fall back into that same kind of mindset at, at, at times. The common problem. You're right. And it can happen. It can happen again. I think even people look at, if you want to use the word motivational speaker, you know, and they look, well, you must always be like, no, even I have to do it myself. We always have to kind of look inside and remind ourselves why we're doing something. And I've mentioned, I guess I've mentioned that word probably a couple of times. You know, we get stale sometimes because we don't remember why we were set out to do this. We don't realize the impact of what we may have in the end result. I call them sometimes a justice. Um, I just sit in the back office. I don't. I don't talk to the mm. customers. What What difference do I really make? What impact do I really? I, I mean, I'm just a just an accountant. <laughs> I'm I'm just a salesperson. Or the, I love the one. I'm just a new person, right? And they belittle the impact they think that they have. So helping people realize and see through to the end of what their everyday, seemingly mundane actions actually have a result is really a key core concept I like to work with, and. Uh, once you can remind yourself of the purpose, that's what will drive passion or rekindle passion. But the purpose has to come first. 
So bringing people back and re-engaging into their why they're doing something is a really big factor in that. And that'll help people kind of see to the future and see if that's, do they, do they see themselves with this organization long-term? If they can rekindle that, or if not, then maybe it is time to move on. But you know, we always want to keep people where they are because you know, it's, a, it's a good spot mostly where they are. They just don't get recognized enough, don't get appreciated enough, or don't realize the impact they're making. All three. Yeah. Uh, as, you're, as you were saying that, I'm thinking uh, when you're talking about that passion, you know, why, why do we do what we do? It takes me back to uh, TED Talk by Simon Sinek. It starts with why. And, sure. and, and that, it's, it exists, our why is not money. That's a byproduct. A lot of people, why are you here? Well, I've got a mortgage. I've got kids. I've got, you know, I got four girls. I got, and it's like, no, no, what, where's your real passion? And a lot of people go, you know what? I don't know. Maybe I lost it. I'm, I'm here, but I'm, I feel like I'm handcuffed. Um, and, and another piece when, when, when I think about that passion and thinking about, you know, I, I, I'm just, Pete, I can't, I have no effect on another person. I go to this quote by, by, by uh, Simon Sinek, and I, I'll butcher it, but something along these lines. Leadership has nothing to do with a title. True leadership is the impact you have on another individual. And I've, I've used that a lot. And it's amazing what people will, just watching their faces will do. And, and I shared the story because after, soon after I heard that, I was at, going through uh, Reagan National late at night and, and this uh, bathroom attendant guy, he was just in there and you could just tell he was beat, tired, nobody's talking to him. He had real poor body language and I just stopped and said, sir, I'd just like to say thank you for your hard work keeping this, you know, this restroom as clean as I can just imagine what you, your day's like, but I just wouldn't just say thank you. And he stood up chest out, had a big smile and thanked me. He says, nobody ever talks to me. I, I greatly appreciate you doing that. When I tell audiences that, that just that little act, everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. Sure. But it's just finding like that. that. It's, it's just rekindling that purpose or, or figuring out what it is. And, and, and a mortgage is not it. And it it's, I think when we find that passion and that purpose, that takes care of everything else. But when we lose that, drives. Yep, yep. That passion drives, and 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 when we lose it, um, then we focus on everything else that we really shouldn't be focusing on. Well, you lose you lose your hope, you know, and hope is what drives it. And you're still going to have difficult, challenging, bad days, but it's you know, this is no secret. You lose hope, and you know, it's <laughs> so be, you know, being a being a speaker, you spend a lot of time by yourself. <laughs> it can be a lonely business despite what people think you get to meet a lot of people but there is a lot of uh individual time and i i, I can imagine over the 13 years you've been doing this there have been days that you're going why am i doing this maybe i need to go get a w-2 job and 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 and, and health insurance and all that other good stuff uh, i haven't had that day yet oh that's great i i i had it recently and and I, I went. I had to reflect back to that passion, that purpose, what, and and just kind of get that out of my head and go, yeah, this is a tough business, and, and it is a lonely business. But man, as I, I as I said a lot, I'm a little hesitant this year, but I, I rekindled that. I went full time in 2010, and I tell people I have not worked a day since. Ask my wife. I work all the time. Sure. No, I don't. I, I have so much fun at what I'm doing, even even in those downtimes. 
but I had to go for, actually go out and find and rekindle that passion that I began to lose because the, the business started wearing on me a little bit too much. And I was focused on the wrong things. Yeah. Happened to you at, at all? No, but I think we, there's always, I think, you know, you're stuck in an airport for a day and a half and you're like, why, why am I doing this? I mean, there's those frustrations. Um, and I think people don't, you know, people see the Facebook side of what we do, the, the resorts, the fun travel. They never see the backstory. Right. And you got to think, I mean, to do a one hour keynote, I mean, not only is there 25 years of my life invested into it, mm-hmm. there's 36 hours potentially of travel and research and homework and 18 hour days for me is is nothing, you know. I mean, it, some of it's here in the home office, which is great. I, I'm very much a family man. I'm home a lot, but I guess if I had thoughts of going back to a W two world, I'd be doing kids' birthday party magic <laughs> shows, or I would probably do that. I, not that. Not that those are bad. I just, you know, it's. I, I'm very grateful for. I mean, I, I truly, truly enjoy like you what I do, and that's that's hard to come by in today's world. It really is. Yeah, it, it really is. It's it, because when I, my, a lot of my friends who, who work in uh, either uh, accounting firms, law firms, major corporations, uh, they just feel beat up. Uh, and, and you can see that they've, they've lost that. And they say, how do you, you know, they ask me, how do I keep, you know, I'm doing, doing this. How do I keep that direction? It's like, <laughs> it goes back to your word again. It goes back to the passion of, 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 of making a difference. And I think, um, I, I know that that is my passion because I, I want to make an impact. I want to have a difference. I want to change um, people's thoughts and, and so they can become better at, at what they do and, and taking my stories and, and, and using that to help demonstrate or help give examples of, of how this stuff works and, and to help people just to keep it in front of them all the time. I think that's, the, I don't know if it's you, but it's the biggest challenge for me because a lot of the times I never see these people again. Mm-hmm. And they go back to work, and they fall back into that rut. Sure, and it's just holding them accountable. Uh, I, I find, um, but that's up to them. It's it's not it's not my job. But but that that's up to them to maintain that drive, that passion, no matter what the boss or or was that. No, no, of course it's easier said than done. Right, but uh, no, we fall into old habits, and it's tough. You know, here's us saying that, and there's, there's people out there listening, going, "Yeah, but but how?" You know, what's the how? Yeah. Uh, we can talk about the whys and the theory all the time, but how does someone do that on a regular basis? And one even tool that I'll give to someone is, you know, we'll ask what someone does and then dive deeper. You know, no, really, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a salesperson. No, what do you, okay, what do you do? I, I sell pharmaceuticals. All right, who do you, what do you do as a person? I'm a husband, I coach soccer. Take them, you know, three to four levels deep to find out what they really do. So then as a result of, you know, selling pharmaceuticals, you know, who do you sell them to? As I'm into that, I'm like, you know what? This is not going to be an easy one minute explanation because we do, we do it in a live audience. I'll take, put some in the hot seat and we take them down to how they don't really, you know, a salesperson where I was going to go with pharmaceuticals, you know, oh, what am I doing? I'm helping Jonathan cure cancer. I'm helping Jonathan have a better lifestyle while he's in the midst of cancer treatment. That's what I do, you know? And we don't realize that end result many times. So, as we begin to end the conversation in this episode on your website, I found something about how you give back to the community. 
Oh. Uh, uh, could, could you tell us about that? What, there was a, uh, a life experience I had. It's got to be 15 years ago, probably now. Uh, I had a chance to perform for a child in the hospital. And the outcomes of that is not at all what I expected. But there was me. You know, I was working a job at the time. Didn't have a whole lot of money to donate. But what I could do is put together a show. I mean, we built this little show. And it was a comedy, magic, and illusion show. Did it at a local high school. And you know, we raised like $5,000. I wanted to be able to donate some money to kind of help, help kids in a life-threatened condition have a little bit better end of life or current life you know, experience. And I mean, that was year one. What, what happened since then, it's, it's become one of the largest you know, Grand Illusion touring productions. And we, uh, we do show for kids in a life-threatened conditions as well as do that same show for the public. And we bring in the best you know, variety entertainers and magic uh, guys and gals and illusionists in the world. We'll come in and we'll, we'll do this event. And the whole concept behind it was to give kids in a life-threatened condition a chance to forget about the shots, forget about the chemo, the hospital beds, and literally just come enjoy the experience and wonder and laughter the magic. And it's, it's been a tremendous amount of work, but really certainly rewarding. And we've, we've uh, made a lot of smiles. Is there a specific date or time of year that you, that you hold this? I've done it in multiple cities. The big one mainly is in Columbus, Ohio, which is where my home base is. Uh, it's, it's February 17th, 2018. Tickets on sale now. Go to your Ticketmaster outlet. It's called Miracles and Magic. So typically, it's very, very early spring, late winter. But in other cities, with other times. If we do other cities, I mean, I, I need help. It's, it's kind of, I, I do it for the love. But we need someone who's very well connected to a community to, to get people there and get something going. But for Columbus, February, March timeframe. Cool. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm there. I, I did see you uh, at a fundraiser perform, uh, and this has been a number of years ago, and it was for uh, yeah for John Kelly's cause, a, a kid again, and, and you performed, and I'm and it was a, it was also a bourbon tasting, which was very very good. <laughs> oh, that event! Now yeah. I remember. Now you remember. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and did a fantastic job, and and I, I, I wish I could remember half of what you did that 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 evening. But you had everybody on on the edge of their seat. You had them laughing. It was it was a great time, and I'm looking forward to attending this next year. I'm going to put on my counter, make sure that I come. But the, and and thank you for doing that, um, and, and raising money. Uh, my my sister uh, works for Children's Hospital, in in the oncology area, uh, and uh, I, my my sister, I, she's she's a saint, and, and I don't know how she does it because they lose a lot of kids. But uh, I, I appreciate. You doing that for for the kids? Um, my cause is is diabetes and JDRF, and trying to figure out a way to raise yeah, try to raise money for them for Juvenile Diabetes uh, Research Foundation. Uh, is there a website that people can go to uh, find this? Miraclesandmagic.com. Bingo! And I'll make sure that we'll put that in the show notes so we can get see if we can help drive up some attendance because I do have a large Columbus, Ohio audience. So let's all go out and. Greet John and, and and raise some money for a great cause. Thanks again, John. I look forward to our next our conversation. Uh, our next conversation that comes up. All right. Have a good one. It's showtime. Life <laughs> is an address rehearsal. That was an entertaining and insightful interview, and I would like to thank John again for sharing his story on how you can increase your performance by laughing louder, performing better, and achieving more. In episode 90, I interviewed Laura Stahl, who's a talent development consultant at Ernst & Young, and she has a fascinating perspective on how to develop top talent within your organization. 
remember to tune in to this episode. Thank you again for listening and always remember to use the principles of improvisation to help you better connect and communicate with those in your organization and in your life. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.